0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gridcoin Fireside. Today is August 10th. It's the Tuesday sh- session. We're going to be trying to be a little more technical here. If you are new to listening to these, you want to go back and listen to last week's episode. The ones we record on Friday are more introductory, more walkthroughy We kind of talk about the freely philosophy philosoph- philosophical nonsense uh, about what all this technology is and what it has has the potential to do to make the world a better place in the system of science, maybe a little better. But today, we're going to dive in to <laughs> to some technical stuff. Uh, if you want to join us in the uh, recording, you can join us every Tuesday at 8 PM Eastern on the Gridcoin Discord server. Uh, and if you want to join those philosophophily discussions, <laughs> you are all going to join us uh, on Fridays at 3.30 PM Eastern. Uh, on the this same discord server the next friday recording will be on august 27th because i will not be here next friday um but i will be here the following tuesday so the actual next fireside is going to be august 24th it's going to be another technical discussion and that next philosophy i can't say it i'm just done the one after that will be august 27th on that friday uh that said um figured since this is the first kind of technical discussion we're going to have we're going to kind of breeze through the uh, p- uh but the, the previously discussed potential mechanisms and improvements that might come to the Gridcoin um network and software at some point in the future i want to remind any dev listening to this and also the community i suppose these things only get added if someone codes them and implements them including testing and all that stuff so if this is something you want to help build, you got to get involved. Just because we talk about it here doesn't mean it's going to come at all. It might never show up. Who knows if it's even possible, some of this stuff. Uh, but if there's no one to build it, it's definitely not going to come. Uh, I want to also remind everyone that over the past year, year and a half, uh, maybe even two years at this point, there has been a massive drive for technical improvement on the GridCoin network. This might be why GridCoin is in the top 10 of most developed coins in the entire blockchain space. Um, these improvements include Fern, which was insane. It was an essentially an entire rewrite of the Gridcoin code base, and it removed the team requirement for Boink. Uh, if you don't know what the team requirement is, congratulations, you started in a different epoch. Uh, it, that, but that is a big deal. Uh, these uh, the discussions are also going to come on the back of a very recent sort of UI improvement that... Uh, brings the wallet into a more palatable format for a lot of new users, people who might be coming directly from Boink with no experience in cryptocurrency, or people who might be coming from universities or science backgrounds, or any background with no experience in cryptocurrencies, Uh, particularly people who are not coming with a technical background, uh, because the guides and walkthroughs currently in the wallet are outstanding. That said, there are a couple really big Uh, ideas floating out there that uh, a lot of the people in the community want to see implemented. The biggest one uh, I think is Manual Reward Claims, MRC. This has been talked about for many, many years. Uh, And this one, uh, in a brief summary, um, essentially seeks to solve the problem of new users um, receiving their earned research rewards. So the way Gridcoin currently works, uh, is a user. Let's assume they're a cruncher and not just a staker. They're they're contributing more than just securing the blockchain through proof of stake, uh, and they are contributing to the approved Boink projects. Uh, they build up a score essentially, and that score is rep or er, er, is translated into grid coin that is um, owed to them from the protocol. Uh, And they get that grid coin out of the protocol every time they stake a block. It comes in the form of transaction. So that means in order to get that that earned grid coin, that earned research reward, uh, you have to have a certain amount of grid coin to stake a block. And grid coin actually has a very high difficulty because we have a lot of grid coin GRC securing, uh, securing the network. So new users, even if they have massive amounts of computation power, can sometimes find it difficult to get their earned research rewards. So the current workaround to that problem, uh, well, they find it difficult because they don't have enough GRC to stake a block within like a reasonable amount of time, like a couple months, sometimes even longer than that. But the current workaround to that is uh, what are called grid coin pools or research pools, crunching pools. Um these are essentially large balance holders uh large balance wallets that stake blocks regularly and if you crunch under the name of one of these crunching pools uh the you will get your earned research rewards because the crunching pool will stake a block and then distribute any earned research rewards it gets relative to the number of or the the the, um, contributions of the users within that pool There are some drawbacks to using a pool. Like, you don't get the credit for the computations you have contributed to Boink projects. You don't get the badges or anything like that. All that respect and honor goes to the crunching pool itself. Uh, And you really ultimately do not have control over the entire flow of GRC from the protocol to yourself. You're actually using a middleman, which is the crunching pool. And we just happen to have uh, awesome people running our pools. So, nothing has really ever gone wrong for my. Uh, experience but you are still putting your trust in a third party Uh, so this being blockchain it would be better to have a trustless system uh, and mrc would essentially solve this problem of these new users having to either buy a lot of grc or joining a crunching pool in order to stake a block or a staking pool in order to stake a block uh, by implementing some sort of claim mechanism Whereby the user would submit a claim, a contract, essentially the way I understand it, into um, the ledger, and then uh, at some point someone would mine that claim and get the GRC to the user who pushed, who who submitted this claim, and that. Maybe they push a button in order to submit the claim and pay a small fee, like a transaction fee, essentially a, a fraction of a grid coin or something like that. Uh, maybe uh, there are ways the fees change in, in cost. Maybe if a lots of people are pushing the button, the fee goes up. And if not a lot of people are pushing the button, the fee goes down. Maybe there's a cool down period after you push the button, but then we have to deal with sybil sig- situations. So there's a lot of uh, details to be worked out and how mrc would actually work but the basic crux of it is it's seeking to solve the problem of uh having to stake a block in, er- in order to receive your err by implementing a mechanism by which a user can submit a claim to receive their err in one of the um, next staked blocks i think
1: that was a decent that's summary gr- yeah that's great because that just answered my question so i'm glad i listened to this this is uh, gonna be a good one it's be interesting.
2: We've been, we've been talking about it a long time. Um, so so a, a, couple, a few things. So on the Sybil issue, uh, there's not so, – so one of the things that the, that the MRC is going to have to do is the – and, and Slice can join in on this if he wants, if he's, if he's able to talk. But uh, I think that the way this is going to end up working out is that the, the claim, the, the, the manual rewards claim, is really going to be more like a request to pay. And so the idea is it is a contract, uh, by the way, that contract would have to be signed with the beacon key, which, by the way, Jringo protects against a Sybil attack where you split up MRC among lots of different wallets, because at the end of the day, you really, uh, you're, you're going to be uniquely identified with your beacon key to get paid the research rewards, right? So that, that's, that gives you an extra level of protection over just an arbitrary transaction. And then I think what has to happen is that the uh, and we'll have to work out how all this is going to the machinery is going to work. But the idea is the request to pay. uh, Is it going to be a transaction that gets distributed across the the network is in the memory pool? When the staker goes to bind that request to pay contract as part of a transaction into the block, it's going to essentially issue a, a form of a side stake where the side stake is paid back to the requester as a side stake and the staking amount, the side stake amount is deducted from the accrual of the person that pushed the MRC button, right? Rather than the staker itself. And so the staker would be, sta- the staker is a researcher, they would, or a cruncher, they would get their own reward and they would also have a side stake that would, uh, would pay off the, uh, the uh, reward to the, the MRC requester. Uh, that's sort of, the, and I think I think the answer is we're going to need a. We've talked about this before. We're going to need a form of uh, of uh, fees that uh, highly discourage pushing the button too often, and because there's the chance of uh, abuse of people, you know, flooding the network with MRC requests. Right. I think the other the other reason I want to call it a request rather than a claim is if. For some reason the, the network gets too many mrc requests and they're they're in the memory pool they just basically uh you know after a certain amount of time they're probably the way i would do it is they just get dropped so it's a request to pay it doesn't mean you're actually going to get paid the payment doesn't happen until you, you that a uh a, a mrc call it an mrc side stake is issued by the staker to satisfy the request for payment if you're request for payment dies, you can just submit another one if the network's congested. But I, I definitely think we need to have a, a variable fee that would, uh, the more often you push the button, the, the higher the percentage of the uh, of your reward would actually go back to the network as uh, as fees to discourage people from pressing it. Uh, I got a couple of questions often. here. Any comments? Um,
0: so uh, I'll, I'll give you all three at once because they're kind of related. Does the staker is is the staker who's uh doing the side staking and and giving the errr to the person who pushed the button to the requester? Are they put under any more stress to perform that action? Uh, are they no. given some? No, is there? It's no, just like
2: other than other box? than they, other than they would get if you charge more fees, they you could actually apportion a you could give them a portion of those fees as a payment for issuing the side stake. But remember, historically, side stakes have been done free, Mm. right? Because it's the staker issuing the side stake. So in fact, stakers, if you recall, receive fees for for the rest of the transactions that are in that block. They don't actually pay fees, right? And so the way this would work is if if you charge a fee, which would be deducted against the reward that would otherwise be paid to the MRC requester. So you can think of like the accrued GRC that they have as, you know, result of their research, you can think of it as like a gross payment, right? And then the idea is that the fee, there would be a fee deducted from that. We could decide a portion of where that fee goes, right? A portion of it could go back to the staker and another portion of it could go in other places that we so designate. And this gets into the whole foundation account and all that other kind of stuff that we've talked about before, right?
0: So would it? Uh, so that answers the second question. Does the 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 person who stakes the block get a fee from the the cruncher? And it sounds like we can implement that. And then this the, the next question is: Is there any could we, a staker choose to uh, fulfill these requests or reject these requests? Like, could I just stake blocks without fulfilling um, request
2: contracts? I'd rather not do that because there's there's other than if you do that you are you you are creating a situation where the if if a lot of people choose not to pay mrc uh requests or claims then you could generate a lot of congestion where basically the claims don't get paid because we're not we're not going to be able to allow remember there are only seven usable outputs on the coin stake transaction we will probably expand that uh but we can't just let it be an arbitrary amount for a lot of different reasons and so there they'll only be a certain number of slots that are going to be available to be paid per block so for example if you if we expanded from seven to 15 technically there's eight but the the first the zeroth uh output has to be empty for historical reasons so in reality there's seven usable if you if you went to 15 that'd give you eight more per block Well, we're running about – we're supposed to run 960, but for various reasons we're running about 900 blocks a day. So if you multiply 900 times 8, that's how many MRC payments you could issue on the network in a given day. That's a lot, by the way, but it's – Not
1: one individual actor. The whole system.
2: Not one individual. The whole system. So can we we
1: describe this in like high schooler terms? Let's talk like pizza and Pepsi, except like – I have uh, one GRC and a million computers, right? And Jim has a million GRC and one computer. So we want to trade, and I'm going to represent the abstract demand for the whole network, not like one participant. But if there's all of that availability there, and nobody does it because you have to opt in, right, If I opt in as like an individual, let me tell you, if I'm an individual and I opt in and I'm staking 24 hours a day, and I have just let's say 12 outputs that are big enough to stake within a few weeks or a week or less, and all of a sudden, you know, I can reliably stake every day. I'm able to to do at least one a day because I'm going to get what very little magnitude. But if you have a million computers. That's suddenly, uh, even if it's a small fee, I think you would find that there would be at least one person to call that manual claim. So how many, how out of balance can it possibly get where you have too many people where basically it's like one person with a lot of GRC may be able to support far less demand that's but that's not that's expect, that you're, what you're, you're,
2: afraid you're yeah but you're overcomplicating it because at the end of the day you really don't need to worry how often. number one there's absolutely no reason to provide an opt-out or opt-in for this for this that's silly it's overly complicated and by the way you you don't opt out unless you decide not to stake at all you don't opt out on which transactions you decide to b- bind into a block or not right that's not, that's not functionality that we provide to a user today. You don't get to pick and choose which transactions you decide to bind into a block and which ones you don't. There's a priority protocol to decide that if the network gets congested, but that's not up to the individual user. You're either going to stake and bind transactions into blocks or you're not. And my view on this is if you're going to be a staker, with that comes the responsibility to issue... Uh, MRC payments, if they're MRC payment requests on the network, I think you need to limit the number of slots that are available so that you know it's not abused because it's riding on the coin stake. the The issue is if we pay it, if we put MRC payments on normal transactions, it's going to be a lot harder. And it also, I think, becomes a lot harder to to make sure that those payments are done correctly and that they actually uh, can't be gamed. So, you know, I, I'd like to hear a si size size opinion on that, but I really feel very strongly we need to pay these as, as a form of side staking. I also uh, think from a network analysis perspective, you really don't have to think about how often someone stakes. Because at a network level, there are, if a network has 900 blocks per day, there are exactly 900 stakes per day. Now, how many individual unique nodes that is really doesn't matter. Right. The the issue is the capacity of of that is how many slots are available times how many blocks are issued per day. Right. And that's really what you have to think about. You know, the question about scalability is a big one because that's a fixed number of slots. Right. If you have 900 and uh, 900 blocks per day and you have, let's say, 10 blocks, 10 slots that you're allowing on the coin stake beyond the normal uh, output and splits and side stakes. Because remember today we allow, uh, we have the uh, automatic splitting, which can split your, your outputs for optimization purposes and side staking. And those have to fit within the seven uh, output limit on the stake. And then you've got, if so if you did 10 more, that would be 9,000 MRC payments that the network could support. Notice that's a constant number. And the issue of course with it as the network grows, You know, does there become a lot of pressure on the available slots and do you get a backup in MRC payments? I would argue that one way to control this is with the fee curve and, you know, if people are pushing the button too often, uh, you know, have the fee become pretty, pretty high as a percentage of their rewards to discourage them from pushing it too often. And you could actually control the demand of the MRC that way, right? And by the way, people don't need to push the button every day to get paid. We're, we're talking about a situation where, you know, the people that are that want MRC are people that, are, that, that can, can't get their stake in two months. And they would just like to get, they would like to get paid, you know, they don't, they don't want to feel uncomfortable that they're, they're, they're never going to get paid. So I don't think we necessarily have to worry about supporting literally someone Can pushing a button once an hour. Can we update that many
1: magnitudes uh, for the available claim for your next stake
2: reward? Okay, sure, sure. sure. That's easy. In fact, in fact, the the, the the magnitude system that's designed, you know, there there are a couple of additions that have to be done to it, but it's already doing everything you're describing anyway. So. Uh, it, it it's even if it, even if it was if we had to update 10 different cpids magnitudes on a given block the amount of effort that the nodes are doing to actually update those update those magnitudes is is, is so why basically not a, a that few milliseconds second layer of, of
1: this so, manual transaction layer have its own identical auction like you have for the main you know grid coin block with transactions on it. So the person who stakes says, hey, I'm staking, that. whose magnitude am I going to claim? Well, there's a identical block structure over here of people who are competing for the spot. Okay. I'm, I'm no uh, a block no report, way,
2: kind of. No way. No. No. You're, you're going to run into all sorts of problems with that. Because that's, that's going to really drastically affect the consensus mechanism and i don't really want to mess with that if you do that this is going to become so complicated it'll never get done well, one of the things we've got to keep in mind is do something that's simple enough that we can actually make it happen right and i i don't we're, we, we're probably going to be tweaking some of the parameters in the, in the in the in the in the wall in the wallet in the next mandatory to to improve um the operation of the network even more but we're not My view on this is we're not going to do anything that's going to drastically affect the consensus mechanism anytime soon. It's going to remain proof-of-stake B2, and it's going to remain two layers. Uh, If you knew the amount of man hours that were put to build the second layer on top of the proof-of-stake mechanism the correct way, which is really what FIRM was all about, it just about killed me in PsySide.
0: And I'm not going through uh, that again.
2: uh, Somebody else is can do
0: there, it. And I, I do want to move on from sure. MRC just so we can touch on at least the other ones at some point. But the um, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, on the user side, uh, is it possible, beneficial, or detrimental, I, I don't even know, uh, to have the users like given the option to offer more fees up to get their claims, to get the request processed sooner? So sort of encouraging a staker to submit their, or is that just what Drugen's asked? So like if I'm if I have 10 ERR coming to me. Yeah, he said that was going to affect consensus
2: yeah, That is what that you was already. Okay. Yeah. Well, if 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 you want to if no, no, it's not the same thing. Okay. If, you, if if you wanted to I mean this is this is kind of like what Ethereum does, right? You can offer more gas and, and, yeah. and Bitcoin does it too or more fees to prior, exactly. prioritize your transaction. That's probably doable. You could probably do it in the you and and the miner, when it goes through and sorts through the, the – call it through the request claims or the request to pays, it could prioritize those in the order of the fees proffered that would be in excess of the minimum fee required. Does that make sense? Yeah, because yeah, you uh, then you're letting them automatically
1: every time I stake. Yeah, yeah. and if the yeah. if the difficulty on the network goes really high, I'll make more money when I stake. Yeah, it adds a, I think it adds a couple more well, economic layers, and if you – uh
2: it does and by the way and by the way it's not that hard and i i I think a fraction of that fee should go back to the staker we can talk about what where else those fees go yeah we'll
0: have a a, a definitely an uh, episode specific for
2: mrc details like that but the the thinking here is but anyway anyway this is we got to move on i know but this this is the overall sketch of it that's been coalescing in my mind after we've had we've had like four or five different design sessions on this thing over the last what couple of years And uh, we we got some technical issues that we got to get through around the keys. And uh, right now, the the signature so the 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 technical issue that we've got to make sure we don't create a security problem is that the when the staker is a researcher signs their own block, their own reward, the signature for that actually includes the block hash, and along with the beacon key and some other things to basically bind the, the whole research portion into the, fuse it into the block. It makes it very, very difficult to spoof. The problem is that requires you to have the private key of the beacon. Is there one following me on that? Maybe you're not. The issue is that when you have a request to pay, that request to pay can have the public key of the beacon, but it can't have the private key because the private key of the request to pay is sitting on somebody else's wallet okay so okay. we have to think through this the, the keychain and chain of custody of this mm-hmm. to make sure we don't create a vulnerability but we'll, we'll, i think so, we can get through it Jim, you've, I, you've I highlighted
0: uh, a, a really good um, um yeah. flow for anyone who wants to contribute to think of the goal here is to do something useful do it as simply as possible while also adding as many economic layers as possible we want to Bring value into the coin, and having man- MRC, which is what we call manual reward claims fees, lets us do a lot of really cool stuff on an economic layer, not the least of which is reward stakers more. So we're if we were just a pure proof of stake coin competing against another proof of stake coin, all we're competing, although all the only two comp- the only competition there is between the value of the coin and the stake reward as you add another fee layer. All right, maybe a user will look at the two proof of stake coins and choose Gridcoin because they're actually going to get more rewards because they're getting transaction fees and MRC fees and who else, who knows what else. We can also, Jim, as you alluded to, use these fees to go somewhere else around the network. We can use them to fund specific stuff, start DAOs, start... Ah, uh, community uh, programs, things like that, because uh, completing the request is not any more resource intensive than just staking a block. So there's really the only reason to actually uh, fund a po uh, to to pay the staker a little more is just a little extra incentive. We're not reimbursing them for running a wallet all day because they're already getting reimbursed from the transaction fees of the regular block. It's a lot of interesting stuff in MRC.
2: Yeah. One more thing. One more thing that keep people need to keep in mind is the other reason for the fees that it should escalate as the button gets pushed more often, is this issue about the look. The natural security of the network is. Remember, it's staking that provides the security of the network. We want to encourage people to have a balance and stake and one of the corner cases that we worry about in in Gridcoin is someone that like goes get rents a cluster for a few days get generate some ridiculously high magnitude maybe even tries to cheat on boink to generate a high magnitude and then the the idea is if mrc were available and it were very easy to punch the button someone could push the button get paid Gridcoin, and then do what's called a cut and run right and we're not I'm not interested in creating that sort of avenue for people to try and cheat. So we have to pay attention to this corner case that gets generated with MRC, which is high magnitude, can push the button very often with MRC, and then that sort of does an end run around the idea that if you, look, if you're gonna have a high magnitude, the some people may not know, but that the accrual has a sixteen thousand three hundred and eighty four GRC limit. So if you if your magnitude is so high. That you're you're at like the limit, you you hit the accrual limit, and you don't stake, you won't accrue anymore. And the idea behind that limit is it 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 makes sure that if someone's operating in the corner of the box, we don't want people operating in the corner of the box where they have an extremely high magnitude, and they have an extremely low balance. And right, so it, uh, GRC uh, or the MRC could lead to operation in that corner of the box if we're not careful. I see. So we have to have distance. We have to have disincentives to make sure that people don't operate there.
0: That's so, a really good point. And that, okay. it, it leads us perfectly into another thing that we've talked about for many, many years, which is any possible changes we can make to the magnitude system. Um,
2: oh, that's a good one. You want to talk Jim, about that one? Uh, How deep do you want to go?
0: You, Could you ever
1: like take <laughs> a loan would against you like your the, future?
2: Would you like the blue pill or the red pill? <laughs>
1: Oh, could, you ever, True, because a question. Yeah, could you ever take a loan against your future magnitude if you've got enough to feasibly pay for a stake right away? If you're that's operating in the top right box, you might be able to well, yeah, that would over, I don't think that's realistic, but I'm more so just that, trying to figure out like, how does this work? A lot of my questions are not meant to be like taken literally. It's more just like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to walk here to the opposite end of this thing and take a look at it, shine a flashlight on it. Like what shape mm-hmm. is it? You know? Let I mean?
0: me, let me explain what Jim's describing in a, in a different way. So the, I explained stake on Friday, like we want people who have a stake in a network to have a lot of voice through our voting mechanism and all that, but it, it also applies here. If you have someone who literally has zero stake in the network, because all they did was rent a server farm somewhere, and they have no GRC, and they're getting maximum magnitude and using MRC, they're clearly uh, trying to game the system and just walk away with as much money as possible. Versus if you have maximum magnitude and a staking balance, so you won't be using MRC, great. Get more magnitude if you can. Like it, we might want to make a situation where that person can continue to get more magnitude because they their stake in the system is actually the hardware they have running. Uh, they've bought hardware and are using it to do science, so they have stake in this scientific system here. So it's it's this corner case is really weird. Uh, I've this is the first I've heard it, so I look forward to how we solve that. <laughs> but let's go to changes of the magnitude system. Oh, we got a question in the chat. Would the manual uh, claim side stake be paid to the CPID's ba- Beacon Rain address or to the address paying the fees? And they add Beacon address seems more safe. Jim, thoughts there? Uh, would the manual claim side stake be paid to the CPID's Beacon Rain address or to the address paying the fee?
2: It would be uh, most likely the CPID, uh, this this the Beacon's Rain address. Yeah, that's the simplest way to implement it. All right. Sweet. So I mean, also- I, mean te- I mean, technically speaking, you could create a request to pay that would include the beacon uh, public key, and then you could include a payment address. The pro- here's the problem with that. There's no way. There's no way. That's not going to work because there's no way for the for the uh, for the staking node to actually verify that address is owned by the this. Beacon holder. Remember, remember, the only the only time you can prove that an address is yours is when you're holding the key, right? Nobody else can can really exactly figure out whether you own an address or not. Only you know because you have the private keys to those. And so that tells you that the only address that could be used to pay uh, back to the MRC requester would be the address that's associated with the beacon key because. The, the fact that you sent the beacon request uh, transaction and signed it with your beacon key indicates that you actually are in possession of the private key. So, that in turn is the only address that it would be safe to pay back. Does that make sense to everybody? I know that's a little All bit right. technical, but that makes, that's sense, why. To them's
1: <laughs> <laughs> makes sense to everybody. It sounds like the it. people are going to be hitting the faucet and using it to get their manual reward claims. So, it's probably going to get used the way we. Well, most people here might expect it to get used, in a lot of this stuff, hopefully, is just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Empire's not even here.
0: Oh, he was gonna be my fall guy for uh, getting yelled at. All right. Uh, let's let's Do keep want- going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's touch on magnitude. Uh, Jim, go for it. <laughs> well, look. look, the look uh, so so the
2: so let, let's go back through essentially the same discussion that. That jay ringo did the other day but this is a little bit more technical right so the issue the the first issue that we that the magnitude system in its current state has to deal with is the fact that different projects have wildly different uh rates of credits that they award for boink right so you really it's like we how many we have what 17 or 18 different whitelisted projects right now because a couple of them are on the gray list and, but that's 17 – you could think of that as 17 or 18 different currencies because a credit on Project 1 is awarded completely different than a credit on Project 2. So there is no – no, right now, there is no yardstick that's available to compare easily what a credit on Project 1 means in comparison to what a credit pro- is on Project 2. The immediate thing about that is, as you know, those Boink stats where everyone adds up and gets the total credits – Quite frankly, it means that that measure, which is of adding up all your credits across all the Boeing projects, is a meaningless number. It's like adding pounds and dollars and francs directly without doing any conversions. Okay, and we can't add those things because we don't we don't have the conversion factors. Okay, that's something I'll talk about in a second. So, given that, we adopted one of the only ways of dealing with the problem, and that is we're going to punt. So, the current system basically says. I'm going to assign, I have, have 115,000 network magnitude units across the network. And by the way, that's just, a, that number is just, it came up, it's a historical number. Okay, 115,000. And by the way, the magnitude unit, which is the conversion between the 115,000 magnitude units and the GRC paid on a daily basis is one to four. So that means that one fourth. So basically it's 115,000 divided by four GRC that are issued per day. What we do is we take the whitelisted projects and we take the 115,000 and we evenly evenly divide it up among the the whitelisted projects. So the idea is if you have 20 whitelisted projects, it's 115,000 divided by 20 magnitude units per project. And yes, by extension, that's that's that number divided by four GRC that will be issued for that projects uh, per day. Now, what happens is as you take each one of those project subtotals, which are equal, and you that magnitude for each project, we then go and look at the uh, r- rack recently uh, uh, recent average credit, which is a, a exponentially decaying average for each beaconed or active beacon holder uh, cruncher on that project. So we add up all the rack across all the crunchers on that project. That's the denominator and then the numerator is your magnitude for that project. So the numerator over, over the denominator is a fraction. That's the percentage of that project's magnitude that you will be assigned. Okay? And then to get your total magnitude if you're crunching on seven products projects, you add up the seven sub, you know, the seven different numbers which are seven different fractions you're assigned and then you total it out and that's your total magnitude. Okay? That's how the system works today. It is The simplest system that – I hate to use the word fair. It's the simplest system that avoids having to try and create conversion factors between Project A, Project B, Project C. Is everyone following me on that? So I want
1: to describe what it would look like to do it in a proper way because in my mind you would have to just say somebody has to buy eight Chromebooks that are identical and run all projects that are whitelisted on each one of them and compare how much magnitude you got. And then somebody's that's right. like going to have to.
2: It's not, it's, it's even, it's even even more complicated than that because there are different applications in the projects and each one of those different applications have different use may use different algorithms and also may use different hardware capabilities. And so it's even worse than that. And by the way, in case you're interested, I like chocolate has been working on this gigantic, Call it, call it a matrix, which is effectively this very thing, to actually create effectively a yardstick and exchange rate. But it is very, very complicated. Uh, and we, you know, it's also, um, we've already come to the conclusion we can actually do it. It's doable from a computational perspective, even though it's a lot more heavy than what we're doing now. The biggest problem is collecting the data. So you were already onto it. The, the issue well, is I run trying a, I to collect all data.
1: against collapse, uh, and draft- I can show you where my charts are and you can take a look at the that and i will at least tell you what that's output is and i could do asteroids too Was the other
2: one yeah but here's here's what you don't know so number one the way boink statistics are collected uh obviously people don't have to crunch just one project at a time boink is a time sharing system right so you can crunch as many projects as you want and there are weaknesses in boink that people can fudge or 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 um uh, fake out their hardware so you can actually fool boink into believing that you have a different type of hardware than you actually do now i don't have to tell you that that could cause a lot of problems and yeah my blackberry involve, that was the one that was doing all that
1: crunching last week yep calculation. That was
2: right 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 so so that you know the, it there's a lot there's a lot of complexities to that so so that's sort of the so what you were suggesting is sort of the the ideal state we'd love to be able to we would love to have let's call it a flop right an arbitrary yardstick unit in the sky that we could then establish a conversion rate for every credit that's issued by any point project app for an application converted into a standard yardstick unit and then award grc based on the yardstick unit that's that's all wonderful but it's very complicated Probably, and right now the the point, the way the Boint stats are collected by the BOINT projects, they don't collect enough information to actually do it reliably. So that's we've been dealing with that. That's been a long, as Jay Ringo knows, that's been a long running discussion. There's a middle ground. There's also the ability within the current system to instead of using an equal division of like, okay, you have one hundred and fifteen thousand network uh, magnitude, right? Right now, we divide it up evenly among the projects. Another idea would be to assign a weight per project so that you could actually vary the amount of magnitude apportioned to the, each project based on factors that you know we, we could discuss here, right? In other words, projects that would be more meritorious or more deserving of a higher percentage, or maybe you want to encourage, maybe they're low traffic and you want to encourage higher throughput, even above and beyond what the system already does. Because by the way, the equal, magne- the equal magnitude apportionment does encourage people to move from competitive projects to less competitive projects, because if there are less crunchers on a particular project, it's getting the same magnitude. So if you move from a highly congested project to one that doesn't have very many crunchers on it, you're going to get paid a higher magnitude, all things being equal. If you were to in- in- enhance that by actually giving less traffic projects a higher proportion you would, that might encourage people to move to that uh, to move to that project even more. And there's all sorts of things you can do with varying weight schemes. And by the way, implementing a variable weight scheme, technically, from a algorithmic perspective in the scrapers, it's uh, easy. It's probably another 50 lines of code to do it. Coming up with the coming up with the rules on how you would pick those weights and how you control the weights. How difficult that's would it be to
0: implement uh, right? a time hard part uh, contract based? Um waiting mechanism where the more grc that's staked behind a project or locked in a contract that represents a specific Boeing project the greater proportion of magnitude that project would get
2: i think it would if we could port in uh, bitcoin's new uh, time block outputs or whatever right they've got they've got a new feature that's we don't have um in our in our version of the bitcoin core code that's very deep in our wallet right but slice has been talking about that is, uh, time, that's, that would that's be actually something that I think that very we attractive. I think there's
0: a lot of stuff we up. can do. With, and I'm assuming if we port that over, you can use time lock contracts for a lot of different things, um, be, because those are great ways for Float to get locked up. They're they're actual sinks for currency in these networks. So it's a great way for Float to get locked up. A uh, network analytics perspective, it will show you who supports what. Uh, you can use it for voting without having to using a, a, a vote mechanism. Uh, so, for like grade listing and whatnot, we can have an actual threshold where once a certain amount of GRC is locked up behind a project, it actually gets automatically uh, approved into the network. And if it ever drops below that threshold, it is removed from that uh, position. And that encourages project admins, maybe, or institutions to buy GRC to stake it behind projects they want to get done, maybe even uh, for profit companies or institutions would want to buy grc to get their project done really quickly and then when they're, once they're done they rain their grc across the project uh anyone who crunched that project there's a lot of stuff we can do in time uh
2: oh, and it goes and it goes beyond that too i mean uh, I, who was it was Melk that was asking the question earlier or maybe it was yesterday on the uh on um uh bounties so you could also implement bounties via time lock contracts. Absolutely. Right? So, the, so the idea is, you know, and I think I wrote out the pattern in the text. People can read it, but the idea is that effectively, you uh, uh, you pledge someone pledges a bounty. That's a time lock contract, right? Basically, the idea is you're going to pledge an amount of GRC, which then needs to be locked. And the idea is the pledge will be paid upon the satisfaction of a set of conditions. In this case, in the bounty pattern. The satisfaction is would probably be a vote by the community where the vote is successful that the that the conditions of the bounty were satisfied. That's a really good idea. me? Yeah,
0: that is
2: awesome. Right. <laughs> right. And so the idea is the community says, OK, yep, the conditions for this bounty have been fulfilled. Community vote passes. Once the vote passes, it unlocks, it's the trigger to unlock the contract. The bounty gets paid. That's really cool. It's the idea. It's, it's the ideal combination of human and computer control right so the people are the make the ultimate decision but there is no capriciousness to
0: it yeah
2: right in other words the 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 the, the poll either passes or it doesn't pass does everyone follow me so that's pretty cool that's just another example and there are a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why i think we got to get that capability yeah in
0: here. absolutely that's that's really um, cool so the the going to what Agent P says in the in the um chat here to bring us back to magnitude because i derailed us sorry uh but time lock is a feature that magnitude, we could use to change the magnitude system. Uh, He says, I like giving project admins the ability to throttle their own magnitude according to their needs out to a maximum that is uh, the equal distribution number. That's an interesting idea. Uh, There's actually a lot of different ideas around magnitude and how to distribute GRC, how to distribute the magnitude to different projects, just floating around in the community that I've seen uh, beyond what Jim has already described. And Jim has described the big ones uh the big issues with magnitude and the big potential um improvements to magnitude that could come but i think the magnitude system and the um i can't remember what we talked about right before that (laughs) Uh, mrc those two systems are actually two of the more interesting uh structures rather to work on within the Gridcoin network right now so if anyone is interested in contributing to these and like jim said some of these things are just 50 lines of code they're actually really easy to develop from a technical standpoint but the rules uh which are something anyone can work on whether or not you can uh write code or not are are difficult they require just a lot of people to think about it and to think about these corner cases, what could go wrong? How could we make it better? How can we incentivize people to do what we want them to do, which at the end of the day is contribute more to science. So you don't need to write software to contribute to a lot of these changes. This is me encouraging everyone to get involved. <laughs> uh, Sweet asks, would a time-locked uh, UTXO be able to stake? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I don't know of any coins that have time-locks at stake contracts at stake but then again there's got to be a way to set up like a cd where you so lock- i think I,
2: I so remember in a stake it comes back to you right so you're not you're not really exchanging ownership in a stake but the idea the thing that makes me nervous about that is the whole point of the stake is that you're you're actually really are putting your coins on stake which means if you do something crazy that violate the rules of the network you could theoretically lose that stake right that's what, that's, that's what it means. Uh, if everyone plays by the rules, by the way, there's absolutely no risk in staking. You're going to get your money back, and you're going to get you're going to get your PO, your your, your uh, proof of stake reward and your research rewards on top. I think that the uh, the worry about allowing pledged funds or time lock contract funds to stake is that you're now establishing two payment conditions on essentially the same coins, and I think that's a little that's a little squishy. So, I'm I'm a little nervous about that. I think you could technically do it. I'm not so sure we would want to.
0: Noted. Uh, other improvements, unless, Jim, you want to talk about magnitude anymore, we'll probably no, dedicate think that's a whole No, I mean, we,
2: we, we, yeah, I mean, well, if we do what we've done before, this you could spend the whole hour plus talking about yeah. that one. And, yeah, so <laughs> I think we can, let's leave that one alone. All that right. was a.
0: Yeah, definitely an interesting one, guys. Get involved with there. Uh, I, I alluded to this improvement that we've talked about in the past already. It's just automating the uh, approved list for Boink projects. So some mechanism approves or triggers the approval of a Boink project. So it's automatically added to the incentive structure of Gridcoin. And we can automate the gray list because the gray list, um, I think developed by GUK, right? I hope I'm not screwing that up. The the protocol of the gray list is actually just a bunch of numbers that once triggered, it, the thing gets gray listed. So... That well, that, that's, well
2: the, the, two that, the two that have metrics, so the, 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 um, the um, um, zero credit days, which is seven out of a rolling window of 20 days, if there's seven or more uh, days where a project has issued literally zero credits, it'll, it's technically supposed to go on the gray list. And then the work availability score is a measure of the ratio of the seven-day average of the uh, project's total um uh, rack across all all all, of, all the people over its 40-day average if that ratio goes below 0.1 then it's also supposed to be prelisted. and both those two metrics are designed to look for projects that are not actually issuing credits and also are issuing a small amount of credits compared to what they have in the past right which means there's very little workflow wor- work units flowing however there are lots of corner cases that re- that technically would require gray listing that those two metrics don't catch. Right. And so we still have I mean like a project that's just dribbling out work GPU units. Grid. And by the way, GPU GPU grid is a perfect example. Yep. It, there have been weeks where the GPU grid passes on the work availability score and it barely skirts by and passes on the Z C D, but the problem is it's not really producing enough work units to satisfy everybody. But the the work because it's constantly a low supply, the work availability score ends up being looking high because both the numerator and denominator are both equally low. Does that make sense? So the, the problem that you have is that you know, you these two metrics don't cover all the corner cases, but I think we could, and we've talked about it, uh, actually implementing algorithmically the ability to gray list uh, projects with these two metrics. But I think there will still be cases where we need to gray list projects that probably can't be handled well, this, automatically it it, it, it deserves yeah, further is, discussion but it's definitely the, the uh,
0: exactly yeah. it, it, we'll give it a whole episode at, at some point because it's something we should continue to look into the this is where timeline contracts might just solve the entire problem though where if it's an automated system based on a stake weight behind it like people will look at you, you grid and be like you know what this project's great i would love to support it but until it, it, it gets its shit together for lack of a better phrase uh, i'm gonna not put my grc behind it because yeah. i don't th- i think it's not it's not stable enough you
2: can think of these timeline contracts that you're describing as in a lot of ways they're meta stakes right you're you're staking onto a project basically which is a form of reputation gaining on mm-hmm. the project end, right if the project if the project's reputation is good they're doing a great job they you know theoretically people will put more money uh, uh, grc on the time lock contract which gives their them a higher share right and conversely it's quite interesting and the idea is people vote with their feet if things aren't going well yeah right which sort of takes care of the gray listing problem on its own even though it may be a little soft and not not be very fast in the way that works but those those are all great ideas
0: yeah. And, and sweet, I know you say you don't need to take this down there, but I want to because I have a response to this part. Uh, he says he was thinking of the time loss in context of whitelisting votes or magnitude share distribution. So if you like, have a lot of GRC locked behind a project, it gets elevated in magnitude, am I as a user going to have to choose between staking a block and getting rewarded for staking that block? or putting GRC behind a project that I think should get supported. And I think this is where the economics comes in and sort of the game theory. How do we want people to act? because um, we can absolutely so that, that make might work contracts. Though.
2: So if it, you it, have a time if you have a time like contract where the eventual trigger for disbursement of the contract is only back to yourself. In other words, you're you're basically locking the the money up for a period of time. And then at the end of that period of time it's going to be released back to you. That's quite frankly, that's really a meta stake. That's a that's a long period stake. I think you could allow that. I think you could allow those to actually stake.
0: You can because, also add other terms to it too. That that is exactly yes. like a CD, where you could say if you keep your GRC locked up behind a project for ten years, you get X percent in interest over those ten years, encouraging people to keep it locked up for longer. Or that's whatever. right. I, th- I, th- I think to
2: keep it simple, the conditions yeah. would have to be the the pay the pay trigger has to be back to you
0: yeah definitely it's like putting, it's your, it's like like putting your money
2: in a savings account or yeah. a cd and then getting uh, paid an interest on top when you get the money back right
0: right and you no. could withdraw it early if you would claim you submit it for you're going to say i'm going to keep it locked behind this project for five years and if you want to withdraw early you surrender some of the interest you earned or or whatever or it just takes a block for you who knows how that would actually yeah. go. but yeah. i think there's definitely. a lot of potential there good discussion
2: um, on that yeah definitely
0: all right, whitelist, graylist automation, we already did that. Approved list, gray list automation, already did that. Uh, MRC did that. Magnitude, magnitude mechanism improvements, already did that. Uh, treasury system, we'll touch on this just loosely. Um, the treasury well, the, the uh, automation of the approved list and the graylist is seeking to solve the problem of um, when we pull a project to get added to the approved list to get incentivized with GRC, and it gets approved, we actually need to have an individual go in and add it to the uh, to the scraper files. And that is a trusted party. We want to get it trustless. So if we're able to automate it, we can have a trustless system. Uh, the magnitude mechanism improvements, we already talked about. Jim covered the problems that's seeking to pr- uh, solve. The treasury system is seeking to how we fund development and how we fund uh, outreach and really science, gr- like grants for actual scientific research. Because if we're able to, if we want to actually fund like someone's science project, whatever, they want to build a volcano uh, and they need $10 to do it, how are they going to get those $10? Well, if we take some of the fees... And like the transaction fees, or if we don't want to touch transaction fees because those are wholly in the blockchain space, uh, some of the MRC fees or any other fees uh, or, or funding mechanisms we develop, and we put it into a grant system where the community maybe votes on grants or or the network rather votes on vet grants through the voting mechanism or through time lock contracts, um, and this person puts up their Proposal to build a volcano for ten dollars, and the network approves it. They get ten dollars out of the grant fund. That is network owned. No individual owns it. Uh, no one can run away with the money, really, because it's just a contract. No one can get corrupt because it's just in a contract. The network owns it. Um, that would be really cool. And on top of that, we can fund development <laughs> right, in perpetuity right, if we have a treasury system. All
1: right. So system. I think uh, since I have to go in a few minutes, I did mm-hmm. want to just say something about this because I think. What you're describing makes me think about how to get more research onto the ecosystem, and part of that makes me wonder how do you integrate when Boink is sort of this—it's a—it's an important role, like to make sure that the work that's being done is for science. But then when you're here at this layer, this is where people exists, and so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But imagine that we had some kind of a GPG key server. And you can be identified that way, and you can even use your socials logins with OAuth to prove that these are the profiles connected to you, and you sort of build this identity so that you could participate in research for things like like polls, or things like surveys, or even things that are as simple as, hey, I want you to look at I want to have you run something that tells me a little bit about what your network kind of looks like from your device in your geography, in your, you know, part of the world, like try and hit this CDN, try and hit that CDN. Okay, here's what the statistics are for the network of the internet, like right now. And it's just because somebody's participating in some research and you get paid GRC to kind of do those things. You know, like, how can you make it so that the participants of the network are also being compensated for doing things that, I guess, trend the line between research and marketing, like advertising. But, you know, something along those lines seems like a way to get the the person that's staking the funds paid, you know, because that's good. That's always going to get more people involved and, and participating in the economics.
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple ways this could actually happen. You could have, so if I'm coming to you with a translatable product where it's like I'm going to create a new water bottle that I'm going to sell for $50, and if you fund it's sort of like a Kickstarter. If you fund this through this mechanism, your uh, whatever wallet or whatever funds this gets a certain percentage back over time. But I think that is a very complicated way to do things. I think a simple way is just to look at the value proposition of um blockchain in general which is i am part of this economic network whatever this network produces adds to the value of this economic network in relation to other economic networks exactly how nation states work uh so if i fund good science i actually get paid not directly but the um If I have 10 GRC and I use one of them to fund science uh, and that science produces something of value and everyone knows that that value came, that product came from my network, the nine remaining JRC are going to be worth what would have required me to have 11 GRC before, right? So it it adds its value added by product production. Um, But that is just my opinion. I know other people might... uh, think we have to develop other mechanisms to actually pay people who are surrendering some of their fees to this treasury system Uh, but the again the goal of the treasury system and this is the type of discussion we have to have around how to actually implement it but the goal of it is to make sure we can continue to fund development once the foundation walls runs out foundation wallet runs out uh and and any benevolence and and once jim runs out of benevolence Uh, so (laughs) we've we've that is the problem. The treasury system is a proposed solution to it. Uh, if there are other ways to solve that problem, I'm sure people would listen. Um, anyone want to talk more about the treasury system? OK. Other? We got We got.
2: We got one more we should talk about. And that, that's the uh, adapter that SySy wants to Absolutely. write for, for uh, folding at home. So we should cover that one. And that's probably all we have time for. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I mean, do you want to cover that? I think SySy is not in a place where you can talk. So yeah, I'll talk about it very quickly. So, the idea, and by the way, there was an informal poll put on the network, what was a couple months, I don't know, a few months ago, that we actually, SciSci actually did the poll, and it asked whether the network is interested in us coding an adapter, which would basically allow us to uh, grant magnitude for folding at home work. And uh, the way we, the the, the simplest way to do this would be to create effectively an adapter that would uh, collect folding at home statistics and effectively pose as a point site from a statistics point of view and then the scrapers would simply go against that and it would, would assign it magnitude just like any other project and so you know that same pattern by the way could, could be used for other types of distributed computing domains as long as you could capture enough statistics to reliably generate the, uh, the equivalent of rack so you can generate magnitude if that makes sense. Um, SciSide believes this is doable. I mean this is not a uh, is, is it is it a terribly you know ridiculously easy thing the answer is no but it's also not an extraordinarily complicated uh, thing to do either so you know it's pretty exciting and I think it would be nice to see uh, grid uh, the gridcoin network extended beyond the uh, the blink ecosphere. Uh, sphere.
0: Absolutely man it would be It would just be an adrenaline rush if nothing else (laughs) to all of a sudden bring Folding at Home's community into Gridcoin. Uh, For those who don't know, Folding at Home is a giant distributed computing network. Uh, They became the largest supercomputer in the world during the COVID crisis right at the beginning, Uh, and they put a lot of work actually into creating the vaccines, similar to a lot of the Boink projects. Uh, The Folding at Home community is massive. They're very enthusiastic about science and the advancement of Actually, Science Communication in particular, uh, they do a lot to reach out to their um, user base and get them involved. They have a lot of corporate sponsors uh, who helped out maybe just because, you know, it gave them a little bit of corporate goodwill. But they're still there and they're helping develop Folding at Home. They also have two cryptocurrencies that... uh, are not as protocol-driven as Gridcoin, but they do reward people for crunching folding at home called Curecoin and Foldcoin. I haven't checked in on either of them over in a long time, so I actually don't know if they still exist. Um, But they're great communities as well. They are not as automated and, uh, like I said, protocol-driven as Gridcoin, though. So there are differences between the networks for sure. Uh, And Jim, like you were saying, if we prove that we can build Gridcoin around more than just Boink. Who knows what comes after that, right? There are tons of different distributed computing networks coming up around the world um right now, like as we speak. Distributed computing is kind of starting to blow up a little bit, uh, and I'm sure it is only going to continue with all the technological technological advancements in the space and the amount of money that's going into it, uh, because science requires it at this point. Um, yeah, if anyone wants to help with that, reach out to SciSci directly on Discord or on Slack. Um, I'm sure he would appreciate any help he can get. Anyone else want to add something about folding at home integration? All right. Then I think... Oh, man. All right. I think we might have to sum up some more possible improvements in the next episode. (laughs) We just got a whole list of possible improvements. Um, Oh, Alex. Well, fuck, man. (laughs) I'm going to go cry. (laughs) It's my favorite podcast, too. Uh, We'll be back... The Tuesday following next. So August twenty fourth at eight PM Eastern again for another technical discussion on who knows what happens between now and then. Uh until then though, happy crunching.
2: Thanks everybody. I gotta run. Have a good one. See you. Jim.